What's up, everyone? We have Joe Gray on the podcast again to do a deep dive into the Garage Gym competition. Joe, thanks for taking the time to be here. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Always glad to talk about the competition and gym stuff and whatever else. Awesome. Well, let's dive right into it. So take me back to 2018. Can you talk to me about how the original concept of the Garage Gym competition came about? And then how long did it actually take you to make that first step? So when I think about that, like, did you take a few months to actually go for it? Or did you just straight up, let's knock this out, yeah. year one? So I went back and prepped for this. I went back and looked at some of my DMs. So it looks like on uh, February 26th, 2018, I reached out to you and Adam at Garage Gym Labs, JB at GarageGym.com and a handful of other people and said, hey, I have this idea. I think I want to start a virtual powerlifting meet for people who live at home. And kind of real brief had some, it was probably like a paragraph at best in terms of the details. I hadn't really thought everything through by any means, but figured I had like a thousand followers. What you, you probably had a, a few thousand at that point, right? Like I think you were maybe 10 or something. I don't know if you remember at that point, but it wasn't your 200 yeah, that you are today. <laughs> it wasn't anything crazy. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, you know, no big deal. We'll kind of figure it out as we go. So February 26th, reached out to you guys. And then on March 13th was when we actually announced it. So it took an entire like two and a half weeks to go from, hey, I have this idea to here we are. It was probably like a week or two before I reached out that I was chatting with my wife and stuff like, hey, mm -hmm. I have this idea. Do you, what do you think? And she would ask me a few questions and we bounce it back and forth. And she's always my initial sounding board for anything I come up with to go like, what does this sound like? Because she lifts, but she's not super hardcore. She knows powerlifting, but like only because of me kind of thing, right? So she's a real good sounding board for those things because if I throw something out there and I'm way too in the weeds and she goes, what the fuck are you talking about, right? Then I go, oh, I need to take a step back or whatever it might be. Yeah, so that, that was it. It was probably early February. I had the idea. It mulled around in my head for a few weeks reached out to you guys. Everyone said, yeah, let's do it. And then we went for it at the middle of March. Awesome. And I can't remember. I do remember you reaching out. I don't know if we had ever chatted before that. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it was just a blind it, it's um, possible. message or not. Yeah. yeah. I know early on, I think, you know, me, you, Adam, and a handful of guys just kind of casually connected um, at that point. I'd do a product review and you'd be like, oh, hey, good review or something, right? And then I'd see yours and then same thing. And then like we were all, I mean, the community wasn't what it is today by any stretch in size and also I think just in connectivity, right? There were pieces there, but there wasn't people doing like what you're doing today, right? There weren't podcasts dedicated to home gym market. There weren't people, I don't even think the term like, home gym community or garage gym community was really used that often back then. So um, I'm sure we occasionally chatted back and forth, but I don't think it was anything regular by any means. Yeah, I think you're right there. So we kind of talked about this on the first podcast. So you ended up just kind of rolling into this. Uh, you reached out to a number of companies. Can you 
talk to us about how that first year ended up, maybe what those prizes looked like, and then how many people ended up doing the competition. Yep. So uh, I know your your listeners like data, so I, I wrote down all my notes <laughs> in terms of those specifics. But we got at the end of the first year, so it went from March 13th to like about May 13th-ish. Uh, the competition has always been in the middle of May. So you figure that was two months of communication time between a handful of us throwing stuff out there and saying, hey, you should check this out. We ended up with 84 participants, uh, 14 sponsors, and a little over $1,200 in prizes. The biggest prize was a flat bench, which is from a company who I'm not even positive if they're still in business anymore. It's like garagegyms.net or something like that. Um, I haven't had, uh, yeah. something. Yeah, I, I, I haven't had yeah, any connection with them since then. They threw out the bench and then they just kind of sort of disappeared <laughs> a little bit, which I guess bad timing on their part. They were a year or two <laughs> early. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, just word of mouth and a you know, couple of Instagram posts. I think I put it out on Reddit as well. And I thought 84, like that's way better than I thought. I thought it was yeah. going to be like 20 people or something. So the feedback was good. People really liked it. I had a lot of people who were like, oh, I just saw this. Can I still enter? And I'm like, no, sorry, it's over. Mm-hmm. And figured, cool, let's let's bring it back again, right? If, if sponsors are interested, if participants are interested, um, if everyone who was behind the scenes doing anything is interested, then sure, we'll make it happen. We'll come back next year. Cool. So you were dead set on doing year two, it sounds like. What adjustments did you make going from year one and then to year two? Yeah. So the biggest thing would be the fact that we didn't just start planning, you know, in February and then launch in March and then have it in May. I'm pretty sure I started planning in June. So like the competition was in May. And then as of I literally may have the week or two after started taking notes and putting a plan together and writing down like, okay, this is what I want to do. And this is a timeline and all kinds of stuff. So I have a background, you know, in my corporate life with project management and stuff. So the concept of laying out like, this is where we start and this is where we end. And this is how everything looks in between. And this is our communication plan. And this is when we communicate and how we communicate and, where it goes out and where it doesn't and, you know, who are the stakeholders and all those different things is pretty normal for me. And so I just leverage that skill and ability from, you know, my professional life to bring it here and said, let's lay it out. Like I know when it's going to be for the next year, for year two, we can just work backwards and there you go. And so that was number one. I, I didn't have just a couple of weeks of time to just kind of slap stuff together. And then because of that, I was able to say, okay, uh, like year one, I made all the stuff in paint, right? Like all the flyers. And mm-hmm. I had sponsors show up after we announced and say, hey, I want to be in and I'd add them. And then I add the next one and then I add the next one. And, you know, whereas for year two, it was like, we have a cutoff date. This is when, if you want to be in, you got to be in by this date. We're going to announce everybody, and there you go. And so it just got more professional, more clean. And then the big one was obviously just the fact that we had previous participants who came back the next year. We had a year of communications and stuff. And I I had become a Reddit moderator, and so I was kind of 
doing dual purpose of getting companies over to do AMAs on Reddit and then getting them over to do competition. And they weren't always on both. Some people got Reddit and didn't get the competition or got the competition, didn't get Reddit. But it just, it gave me more visibility and more options to be able to talk to these different companies and kind of introduce myself as somebody in the market. That was it. Is more visibility, more time, more structure, more, you know, everything like that. Got it. And then can you give us a quick rundown of the growth from maybe one to two to three to four? Yep. Year one was 84 participants, 14 sponsors, 1,200 prizes. Year two, we jumped up to 214 participants, 16 sponsors, and $5,000 in prizes. Year three, we jumped all the way up to 1,278 participants, 23 sponsors, and $10,000 in prizes. So that was the first year of COVID. Uh, we had kind of announced a lot of things. Sponsors were locked down, et cetera. And then COVID became this really huge thing. And you had a bunch of people who had no options. Like we literally saw people dragging their, you know, commercial monoliths from their powerlifting gyms into their garage. So that way they can continue to train and said, oh, hey, every single competition in the world got canceled. Let me go ahead and do this thing. Right. And so that's why you had a five, almost six, uh, it might even be six time increase, right, in participation from year two to three. And then four, we had 1,200 participants, 33 sponsors, and $30,000 in prizes. And so the interesting flip between three and four was we went in year three, we had all those people who, like I just mentioned, were... 100% there because they had no other option, right? The concept of training at home wasn't really the ideal solution for them. It was what was available as opposed to year four, we transitioned back into what has historically been our target audience, like your audience, people who lift at home because they want to lift at home, right? They've bought racks and benches and bars and plates and whatever else and said, this is the way forward for me um, almost exclusively. Awesome. So speaking of data, I know you've captured quite a bit of really good data each year. Can't remember what the follow-up surveys look like, but I know they're, they're pretty detailed and you've shared it with me before, but is there anything off the top of your head that really stands out to you that you can share from that data? Yeah. So one thing that hits me a lot of people get caught up in the term powerlifting and think like, I'm not a powerlifter. This is clearly not for me. But when we look at the numbers, uh, we've had people compete from over 40 countries, first off, uh, from ages three to about 62. I think 62 is the oldest. Our average athlete is 31 years old from the U.S., male, weighs 188 pounds. And the average total is actually only 900 pounds. So when you're talking about powerlifting stance, that's not a huge total, right? Like 900 pounds is not some monster dude competing and taking home, you know, $10,000 prize cash at, you know, a Go Strong event or something like that. And that's not to say 900 pounds is weak by any right. stretch of the imagination. It's just that I think when we typically hear powerlifting, we think, some dude who's going to squat 900 pounds, right? Let alone mm -hmm. total uh, or as opposed to total 900 pounds. That's a big one for me. 
Then there's the things like, so 85% of our participants lift exclusively at home. Um, so that was a stat from last year. 79% do not have any other competitive experience. So they don't compete in other powerlifting events or anything else. It's, this is it. The garage gym competition is their only competitive outlet from a lifting stance. Some of the cool stuff. So last year we lifted over a million pounds cumulatively throughout the competition. So everyone who lifted, we had 76 athletes under the age of 18. And for people who returned from 2020 to 2021, they had an increase in their totals of over 12,000 pounds. So by coming back year to year, you are getting better. That's cool. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then uh, if we look at some of the nuanced stuff, which is fun <laughs> to look at, and it's not it's not perfect data because the numbers aren't this you know exact. But if we look at the big four countries to compete, the strongest country is actually the United Kingdom. So I think they had about forty or fifty people compete. They were the strongest on average. You could argue because well they didn't have as many people, so probably only the strongest showed up and whatever. But yeah. Again, it's not a perfect science. And then Wisconsin was actually the strongest U.S. state, which is interesting. Most people train between three and six days a week when in the competition. And the thing that most closely tied to performance was years of training. So shouldn't it be too crazy for people to connect the dot there that the more time you spend lifting over the years, the better you get. But I think a lot of us often get caught in this like, I hopped on Instagram. I picked up a bar yesterday. Why am I not as good as these other people? And then forget that, you know, a lot of people who are squatting 500, 600, 700 pounds have been doing it for a decade or more, right? And it, it takes a while to be a big, strong person for everyone but the genetic elite, right? Um, then we have some of the weird stuff that we did, like we did the strongest David See, the most common name, the most common male name was David. The most common female name was Aaron. We found that there was a correlation between spending more money on your gym and your performance. So the more money you spend on your garage gym, the stronger you are. <laughs> I had one guy fight me on that. He tried to drop some. He didn't even compete in the competition. He just went against me on it. I'm like, I kind of played the nice guy card. I'm like, oh, did you compete? No, this is some bullshit, something, whatever. I'm like, okay, have a good day, sir. <laughs> uh, and in general, people who are all in did better. So people who, like I said, spent more money, spend more time in the gym, have spent more years in the gym, people who are interested in emails from the competition, people who marked interest in all kinds of stuff, by and large had higher performance, which makes sense to me, right? The correlation of... I want as much as I can from all of this, as opposed to I'm just kind of going to stick my toe in and see what works. So do you find that most people actually do train specifically for this date? Or is it one of those things where they just see it coming and they just say, all right, I'm just going to do it? I think in the first couple of years, for sure, people didn't because we didn't give them the time, right? We were just like, hey, here's this thing. They just kind of showed up. Considering how such a large majority of our people don't have specific powerlifting experience, I think the concept of like uh, peaking and prepping for meat is actually kind of 
foreign to them. So mm -hmm. I think most people just train and do what they would normally do. And then they happen to show up that week and do a one rep max. There are a decent amount of people who, especially since, so last year we did a free program for people to be able to follow like a 12 week program. And this year we brought Juggernaut on. So they've got their, you know, their AI app and we've got other resources out there and info to be able to tell people like, this is how a peak might look. Um, it's not a exact science for every single athlete, but if you want to try and make sure you put up your biggest lifts possible and you're the most prepared for a one rep max, this is what that should kind of look like. Um, so I think from what I'm seeing from people, from comments and stuff like that, there is more of that this year than in years past. I'm sure it's, again, more communications, more visibility, more time. Um, you know, we started communicating stuff in December this year, as opposed to in years past, it may have been February and people are just more educated and I'm, I'm trying to do my part on that as well. Uh, you know, I know that I have a lot of people who are not well experienced in that area. So leveraging people like Juggernaut, Kabuki, some of the coaches that we have, Travis, Papa Bear Rogers and different people like that to give us tips and tricks and stuff and say like, Hey, you're trying to increase your squat. Here's some ideas. Your deadlift, here's some ideas. You're trying to get ready for the competition. This is what it should look like. This is what you should, you should eat the day of. This is what you should wear. This is, you know, that kind of stuff. Awesome. I think it's going to be really cool in 10 years if, you know, you're still doing that. Yeah. It'll be awesome data. Yeah. I'm curious to hear your approach on reaching out for sponsors. Yep. So over the years, obviously, you talked about the growth and it seems like the sponsorship growth has been the largest. Yep. When you reach out to a company, what's the typical feedback you get? Maybe go into why someone ends up saying yes and why someone may end up saying no. Sure. So in the first year, uh, it was way different than it is now, right? And even year two and three, it was really like, hey, do you want to do this? And mm -hmm. then they said, sure or no. Right. And I, and that was it. I didn't have anything really written up. I didn't have a, I didn't have strong numbers. Like I could tell them like, you know, 200 people participated or whatever. That was kind of the end of it. Last year we had, um, Brian Doyle, who's now a good virtual buddy of mine, um, help, uh, on the council and he has a sales background and he was really instrumental in that concept of how to cleanly, easily, succinctly, but comprehensively sell what it is, right? Because at the end of the day, I have to sell the competition to a sponsor to buy it, right? And so he last year put together a one-page PDF that had a bunch of growth numbers and different stuff that explained like, this is the growth we've seen in the home gym community with the competition. We used Reddit stats and different things like that and kind of said, this is what we're expecting. This is what we think you'll see in terms of visibility and all kinds of stuff. That worked pretty well for a lot of them. This year, I took it up a step and I made an actual like pitch deck. So it's about six slides, I think in total, basically introduces the competition, gives them an overview on the very basics, tells them uh, what are the changes from the previous year to this year, 
explains the model in terms of sponsorships, where they can land depending on what they put in, and also covers some basic data in terms of that selling piece that says, these people are only competing in my competition, not anywhere else. I have data around their income and their expected spending plans for the next you know, six months to a year on their home gym, stuff like that. And so I can chop all that stuff up and paint a pretty picture and then kind of sell myself a little bit in terms of who I am, my connection in Reddit, my connection with you, know, you and Adam and different people throughout the garage gym community as a whole and say like, look, you being a sponsor gets you more than just your logo on a flyer, you get, you know, this whole plethora of stuff. And however deep you want to go, I can help you do that kind of thing. So that's kind of how the, the growth of that has gone. And so this year was interesting reaching out. You have companies who don't really get powerlifting. And so they kind of get hung up on the concept of powerlifting. And so maybe they define themselves as a fitness company, right? Well, we just, we make adjustable dumbbells for people. I don't, we are not powerlifters. And then I have to explain, you know, well, look at the numbers and stuff. And most of the people who are competing wouldn't call themselves powerlifters either. They're using your products. So even if you're not a powerlifter, it still makes sense, right? And sometimes they still just, they, they're like, I don't, I don't really know what powerlifting is, so it's a no. And then you've got, yeah. And then I reached out to a handful of companies this year that weren't gym equipment. They were like garage type companies. So a company that did like gym or uh, garage storage stuff. Um, I think it was New Age. And we actually hopped on a call and he, you know, he had some interesting questions and stuff, but same thing. He didn't, he's like, oh, well, we sell a ton to people in garages. And I'm like, yeah, but are you, are you selling to this market? Cause I haven't seen your stuff mentioned by like almost anybody. And he's like, you know, he just had numbers specifically on, they do okay in garages. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. And moved on. Whereas then you've got guys like Chad from Juggernaut who he reached out to me on Instagram. I said, you know, are you interested in sponsoring a competition? He said, yeah, I sent him the deck. And then the next day he sent me an email and said, I want to be the presenting sponsor <laughs> like that, that done. Right. We didn't even hop mm -hmm. on a phone call or anything. And he was all in. And so I actually called him. I set up a call with him like a day or two later going, I want to make sure we're on the same page, what, what you're getting, your expectations, et cetera. I almost kind of tried to talk him out of it to make sure that he wasn't signing up for something that he thought as opposed to what he actually was. Right. And yeah, he was good. I think he actually thought he was getting less than I was selling. And so it worked out well. Then you got people like the guys and girls over at A7. So they have a really nice page on their website to submit for sponsorship inquiries, whether you're an athlete or an event or whatever it might be. And so I send over the deck, um, I send over some details, I get an email like a day or two later and they're like, first off, thank you for actually having everything. Most people send us an email and they're like, hey, can I have money please? Mm -hmm. And that, that's the end of it, right? They don't have any details on who they are or what they're doing or anything. And then they said, you know, I spent four hours on your website 
going through all of the data and the results and the articles and all this different stuff and checking out your Instagram and reading through the pitch deck. And they said, it's awesome. Like we're totally interested. And then they had a follow-up call with me. And the main question they were looking at was like, their first question was, how do you measure success for the competition? And I let off with number of participants, you know, user reviews and feedback and stuff. Are people happy? Are sponsors coming back? Are people coming back? Those kinds of things. And he goes, cool, we're in. And he said, the only thing I was looking for was that the number one thing you didn't say was make a bunch of money, right? Because if your first thing was, I want to make a million dollars, give me all your money, then this isn't the right place. And I said, no, yeah, I mean, I, I want to make money, but that's that's not like... That's not the, the driving force for how I determine if what I'm doing is working or not. So, yeah, so you got these two very polar opposite groups, people who just, it doesn't really jive. And maybe I'm not telling the story well enough for some of those kind of fringe groups, as opposed to the people who they get powerlifting, et cetera, they're, they're in it. The only other oddity is the groups that are like a little too into powerlifting to where they're like, yeah, it's it's virtual and it's free and you don't, you don't have to weigh in or like I go into some of those rules and they're like, I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. How does that, but how does somebody win? And they go, well, we, we give it out kind of randomly. Right. Well, what about the, the person who lifts the most weight? I'm like, well, then they get a high five cause they lifted the most weight. <laughs> and they're like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. But what do they get for lifting the most weight? Like, well, mm -hmm. I, I kind of just told you that's it. Right. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, most, most companies are at least intrigued because it's a new idea. It's a different idea. There's a few other competitions online, a few other virtual ones, but most that started during the pandemic left, right. We were before the pandemic and then have been after we're the only one that really targets this niche group of the home gym crowd which for so many of the companies is a perfect target market because, you know, just because you compete in powerlifting doesn't mean you have ever bought a bar, a rack, a bench, plates, nothing, right? So you got a company like Go Strong or something who sponsors a powerlifting competition. There's a good chance that 90% of the people competing aren't ever going to buy anything from them because they, what would, I mean, maybe a shirt, right? Or some, some wraps. Whereas the people who compete in my competition certainly have the opportunity to buy stuff from Ghost as they buy equipment. So it's a different game for sure compared to a lot of the other options out there, which is good, but also makes it difficult to sell sometimes. That makes sense. It does sound like Basically, year one, the companies that sponsored, for the most part, were just kind of given a donation, yeah, doing something good for the community. Yep. And then now you mentioned some companies still kind of have that mindset, but you have tons of data and, yep. yeah, a lot going behind that. Yep. Okay. Anything else you want to mention on that subject before we move on? No, I don't think so. I think I think that's the main thing. Like you said, the 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 fun part is is that concept of when you're a little bit different, it makes you stand out, but it also makes you sometimes hard to clarify for people who have kind of already made up their mind as to what you are. Sure. Yeah. yeah like you have Grudge Gym in your name. Uh, Why aren't you doing reviews? <laughs> yeah. There's some, I've dealt with that over the years yeah, too. Yeah. So. Uh, 
this year, 2022, can you give us details uh, about the competition? Everything from, and I, I'll remind you if you if you skip anything. Yeah. But basically, everything from how do you sign up? When is it? What are the prizes? What do I need to do? Yep. So can you give us a quick rundown? Yep. Yeah. So um, we're going to bounce off of what I, what I ended with there. So that concept of being a little bit different. If you're listening to this and you are a powerlifter, you know powerlifting and everything, good. But you're going to open your mind a little bit because we're a little bit different. If you don't know powerlifting, that's fine too, right? It's powerlifting light almost in terms of how the rules work. One of the big things is there is no registration. We don't charge a fee. There's no anything like that. You don't need to sign up. There's nothing outbound beforehand that you have to do to be able to participate. You can find out about the competition the week of. You can literally find out about it the last day and participate. It, it doesn't matter. All good to go. Like I said, no fees, nothing like that. You simply from your home gym or friend's home gym or whatever it might be, neighbors, something like that. During the week of, it's the May 14th to the 22nd this year, you record yourself hitting a one rep max of squat, bench, and deadlift. You upload those to either Instagram, Facebook, or Reddit. You use the hashtag garage gym competition, and then you fill out our form. So the form tells us who you are, how you did, that kind of stuff. And that's it. It's, it's legitimately that simple. The caveats to all that are that you don't actually have to do all three lifts. So if you're injured or have some reason why you can't squat or bench or whatever it is, you can do one, two, or three lifts. You can use specialty bars and variation lifts if you want to. So again, if you've got a bum shoulder and you can't get your arm behind your back and you got to use a safety squat bar, good to go. If you need a football bar to bench, good to go. You want a trap bar deadlift, good to go. Um, my typical stance is if it looks like a squat bench or deadlift, it probably counts. We don't get hung up on gear. So if you want to use knee sleeves, knee wraps, squat suit, slingshot, uh, whatever it is, go for it. Again, we're not handing out prizes to the biggest and baddest lifters. It goes into what we call our uh, drawing. And so you get one ticket per entry. So if you enter and your wife enters and your kid enters, now you've got three for your household. And we pull those tickets at random and that's how all the prizes go out. The biggest lifters, I think we have a couple of things for them this year. Weighted out is giving a, um, like a small engraved, like uh, actual, like kind of like medallion type of thing that'll go out, but that's it. So it's, it's, it's a, Hey, congrats, put it on your wall. Good job. But the big giant grand prize all the way down to the shirts and stuff like that is all handed out randomly. All right. And then can you give us an explanation of the prizes yep. this year? Yep. For May. So, cause we have two events this year. We got one in May and one in November. For May, we've announced everything. It's all out there on the website. You can find the full list of everything if you want to check it out. Um, but it's a little over $32,000 in prizes from about 37 sponsors. So, yeah, so you're talking about this year we'll probably clear $60,000, $65,000 in prizes in total, somewhere around there, from the two competitions. That ranges from, so the grand prize is a four-post power rack from Go Strong, uh, decked out in Juggernaut AI uh, color scheme alongside a Juggernaut prize pack. That's a 30-minute Zoom call with Chad Wesley Smith, 
all of their clothes and books and everything that they have to offer, as well as a year membership to Juggernaut AI. So that alone is like a $6,000 prize or something like that. You got a $3,000 custom home gym prize pack from Freedom Fitness. Ashton is going to go and talk to the person, do a consult, discuss what does their gym currently look like? What do they want it to look like? What does their programming look like? What are their goals? Things like that. Do they have any aesthetic requirements? What do they think they're missing in their gym? And he's going to help them find the right equipment, get it to them and set it up in their, their garage. So whether it's cardio or a new rack or bars or plates or, you know, literally anything he's going to walk them through and he'll do a 2d and a 3d render for them with that to make sure that before they put it all together, they've got the right look and feel and the whole deal. You got prime fitness putting up some mystery prizes. So they got some new stuff coming out this year. I'm not even a hundred percent positive on what those are going to be. I have close ideas, but uh, we'll see. And then, you know, Kabugi's got a bunch of education courses and we've got supplements and shirts and gift cards galore and all kinds of good stuff. So if you're looking to add pretty much anything to your gym, to your whatever gym routine, et cetera, it's, it's probably up for grabs. Awesome. Can you remind us how the prizes have grown as well? Yeah. So we went from year one was 1200. Uh, then we went to 5,000, 10,000, 30, and then now we're at 32 for just May and another, you know, 30-ish for uh, November. So you're talking about so a, you, like a double? Are you pretty wrapped up for November as well or can there will companies be, still get involved? There will be a couple of sponsors who may not show up for November just from a budget stance and stuff like that. And I will have a couple of spots open. So I have a few companies that I'm talking to that are very likely interested. So uh, Iron Master is probably going to show up and sponsor. Stray Dog Strength is probably going to show up and sponsor. I've got a couple that I'm keeping secret that I'm not letting anybody know just in case. We'll see what happens. They're long shots, but we'll see. Some Sometimes sometimes Hail Mary's land, right? So, but yeah, but it, I mean, if anybody's out there listening and they want to sponsor, you can always reach out and I can send you info. We can chat. If it's not a good fit this year, it could be next year or whatever, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm always willing to talk to people no matter whether they want to do it or not. So big, small, you know, we got million dollar companies and, you know, $20,000 companies that we're working with. Got it. All right. Well, the last question I have is just, I know you're a big planner. You've also got big goals. It sounds like, and just the fact that you've grown it is to the point it is, is really impressive. But can you give us any insights into what we may expect in the future? Any wish list things that you'd love to happen? Anything like that? Yeah. We'd yeah. love to hear. Yeah. So uh, I put together at the end of last year, like a four or five year plan and based it off of kind of this concept of like a business strategy, right? Five-year plan. So I've got like some metrics and details and stuff like that, some general growth items outlined, but also knowing that from my project management background, if you lay out something even for a week, it could not go according to plan. It is a light plan at best, right? But still, you know, it's something that says, hey, this is what I'm working towards. 
the main kind of big pieces is, is obviously I want to see more participants. The last few years, you know, one of the biggest focuses, especially working like, uh, you know, you were in the background with me for the last couple of years, as well as Adam and JB and a you know, handful of the community members. One of the biggest pieces to the puzzle was making this sustainable and scalable. So then that way, as it grew, I didn't have to hire 900 people, right? Like in year one, I went through, there was no form. There was no entry form. So I went through and went through Instagram and picked out every single submission and typed in the data in Excel one by one. So I had Instagram on this screen, on this monitor, and I had Excel on the other one. I one by one typed in username, squat, bench, deadlift, and I think like gender or something like that. Mm -hmm. Year two, I had people who uh, supported me in doing it. So I had like about 10 people and I said, okay, um, person number one, this is your day. Person number two, this is your day. Person number three, this is your day. And then I went through and double checked all their stuff to make sure it all lined up. So that was a, gotcha. that was a lot of work for 200 people. And so then year three, we transitioned to the form itself. So you have to fill out a form to be able to qualify. That way we can track what you're, that you actually participated, right? Again, instead of me having to go through and one by one or something. Mm -hmm. So after year four, so this is year five, I think we hit everything pretty well. Everything was sustainable. The form was good. The hashtags were there. We had the Instagram account. We had the website. We had the email list. We had like everything in terms of the stuff we needed to be there to keep it consistent to uh, scale to whatever was in place. And so from there, it's adding pieces to the puzzle. So like this year, we added Facebook and Reddit submissions. So historically, it's always been Instagram because you just have to upload hashtag and then fill out the form. It's really easy to turn on other social media channels. Even if like I'm not a big member of a social media channel, people could still participate. And so that's one of the growth plans for the next couple of years is to allow people to potentially participate on TikTok or YouTube or whatever it might be. I don't even have to be on TikTok really to let people, if that's their social media channel of choice, to post. And of course, the benefit there is, is if I get 200 people in one week who post on TikTok with the videos, TikTok's such a crazy organic growth channel that now it trends and now it blows up and then 2 million people see it or whatever the hell it is, right? So that's one piece. The other one was, so this year, we launched the local meets. So you're, you, Jake, are the sponsor, right, for the local meets this year. So that's the people setting up, like, the, the meets in their garage to welcome their friends and their family and stuff like that. And in year one, we had Ryan Pompeo do it at a working-class barbell. So he did it himself. And he just asked me, like, hey, can I – would this be cool? I said, yeah, of course. That's awesome. And then he's made it bigger and better and more badass every year. And by publicizing what he's done, other people have said, hey, that's really cool. I want to do that too. And then now that at least we think COVID is not as crazy as it was, we're encouraging people to um, do that as well. 
So I've got resources where people can fill out a real easy registration form and say, I want to host a meet with X amount of people. And then they can ask me to help publicize it, help find additional people in their area. Uh, I'll do flyers. So I'll design up a, a meet flyer for them with their logo. A couple of people didn't even have logos and I helped them kind of put together a logo. Some people wanted shirts, and so I've got meat shirts for them as well. So I take that flyer and then mock it up and change it just a little bit to put it on a shirt that they can order through my Teespring store. And so um, it's supporting them in supporting me kind of thing through the competition. I want to make that an even bigger thing in the next few years. So uh, each competition has four weekend days. So it opens on a Saturday, so you have Saturday, Sunday, and then it closes on the following Sunday. So you have Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday. I want to have four really big local meets. So mm. something like Ryan's, um, I want to do one here at my house. I got a guy down in Texas that I think would be the another one. So uh, he goes by Swoley Potato on Instagram. Yeah. And I probably one other person on the East Coast. So we'd have a north, south, east, and west competition. And I want to give them, like, a lot of support. So funds to help them pay for, you know, food and drink and whatever, you know, ammonia and chalk and uh, equipment and live stream services and all kinds of stuff. Really make those, like, legitimate events, right, to tie into what else we're doing. And so that's not to take away from everyone who's just kind of grinding away by themselves in their own gym, but it gives people something to also watch and chime in and, and see, right? Anyone who's ever watched anything from Ryan's me knows, like, like, I watch it and I'm like, I got to go lift right now. Like, <laughs> I'm just jacked and ready to hit some big lifts. And so I think putting those out there is a huge motivation piece. And half of the meets, like, Ryan's got people who you can tell – probably haven't really lifted all that much in their life. So it's not, it's not about having a local meet where people are, you know, blasting thousand pound squats. Again, it's regular everyday people just putting in the work and having fun lifting heavy shit. And then that's mm -hmm. it. And then there's a few other minor things here and there. So like, like I said, the other social media channels, I want to be able to take that local meet concept and pair it with other social media channels. And so if you have, a, say, a Discord channel or a Facebook group or something, and you want to run a garage gym competition meet for that group, you can partner with me and I'll help you get some flyers and information and stuff out there. And it's you being able to offer that to your audience. So now they can participate and enter the competition, qualify for all the prizes, et cetera, without you having to do any of the background work that I do, right, all year round. So you get a win, and then hopefully I get more participants. So it's a win-win it's a for both groups. So just continuing to bring more and more people into that fold and increase the viewership and the hopefully enjoyment out of all of it and not kill me in the process. So <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's it. I've got some, I, I think I mentioned before, I've got some sponsors that are on my list that I'm hoping to reel in and we'll see where those go. So, but those are the main big things. So, um, and we'll just bob and weave as we go each year. Okay. Sounds good. Well, I think that wraps it up. 
Joe, thanks again for coming on again to the podcast. <laughs> we'll make sure to plug everything in the show notes to uh, make sure where to go and how to enter again, uh, just as a reminder, and we'll do a follow-up blog post. But anything we missed um, or was there anything else you want to say for you? Close off. The biggest thing for me is just if you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know, powerlifting, that's my jam. Cool. Like, this is awesome. Hop on in. It's really easy to participate. You got it. If you're thinking powerlifting, like I don't, I just kind of lift weights at home. You're actually probably in the majority of people who participate. So no matter where your lifting definition falls for yourself, I think the garage gym competition is very inclusive and very friendly and very welcoming. And I think you'll see that if you check out any of the posts that we have, there's a lot of good information to help you be better lifters, but also just people post during the competition and you'll see tons of comments and people going great job nice lifts all kinds of stuff so it's just a really supportive community no matter what you're trying to get out of it i also donate a bunch of money to special olympics so if you have no other incentive at all you can help me donate more money by participating so i donate based off of the amount of weight lifted for the year so yeah you, it's free cool. it's yeah. easy you lift at home it's inclusive and welcoming you can win prizes and I donate money to Special Olympics. Awesome. Do you have a participant goal this year? So we had 1,200 this last year. 1,500 would be nice. 2,000 would be better. So if I was going to say 1,200 would be like a, a one out of three, 1,500 would be a two out of three, and 2,000 would be a three out of three. So in terms of like hitting my performance goals. Awesome. Cool. All right. Good luck. Cool. And that's going to do it. Thanks, man.